Well, good morning, y'all. It's good to see you. If we haven't met, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. I always say hey to everybody online. I know you guys are in different states, even different countries, and we love to call you family, too. It's good to have you here. Well, you know, I, I think we're just barely past the 90-plus degree weather, although you never know. It might snow next week. It's Colorado. Um, we've got pumpkin spice lattes. We're past Labor Day. Is it safe to say we're in the fall season? Can we say that? We're close. I think we're about there. But you picked a good day to be in church, everybody, because we are launching our new fall series we are simply calling Relationship Reset. Yeah, that's right, woo. We're talking all things relationships, everybody. We're talking marriage, sex, dating, divorce, remarriage, blended families, broken marriages, all of the things relationships. So this is going to be a great five years. We're going to have a lot of fun as we talk about these things. But... I kind of want to give some context, like why this series, why now, what's kind of the heart behind this? I want you guys to see the purpose. I remember when I was younger, there was one particular movie that just blew up planet Earth. Can anybody recognize what this image is from? Which movie that is? Okay, Titanic. You guys know what I'm talking about. Now, this movie is that beautiful yet tragic love story of Jack and Rose. I remember my mother dragging me to this movie multiple times in the theaters as a young boy. And I remember as a young boy, if any of you have seen the movie, during the drawing scene, you always had to cover your eyes, but I always had a little peek just to see what was actually happening there. And the funny thing is, at the end, you guys just know, if this is a spoiler, it's too late, all right? You missed the boat. But at the end, you know, Rose is like, hey, I'll never let you go. And then she lets him go, and he goes down to the bottom of the ocean. It's like just a weird whole thing. But what's fascinating about this movie is it was the first movie to ever gross over a billion dollars. It broke all sorts of Oscar records. It literally shook planet Earth when it came out. Now, in more recent history, there was a book that came out in the last decade. Now, I know none of you ladies read this book because you are women of God and you never would have spent money to support this. But there was a book that came out that you may have heard of called Fifty Shades of... All y'all sinners, you've read the book, so you know you got some repenting to do. Now, I'm by no means endorsing this book. There was some backlash when this book came out. They're like, man, this is degrading to women. How dare a man even write a book like this? And then it became the best-selling book of the last decade, selling hundreds of millions of copies. And you want to know what the second and third best-selling books were in the last decade? The sequels to that book! Now, I want, I want to include everybody, so let's go back in history a little bit. Some of you Beatles fans, what's the famous line of that song? All you need is? All right. Now, my 90s folks, the Salt and Pepper song, let's talk about? Oh, you all need help. You all need help to. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Now, here, where am I getting at with all this? We are enamored with the topics of love and sex, and romance, and relationships, and marriage. We are, it's so baked into the hardwiring of our human DNA. We can't stop watching movies, reading books, listening to songs, thinking about it, talking about it. And honestly, one privilege I have being a pastor is I get invited into many significant moments in people's lives when it comes to their relationships. So Engaged couples, they want to do the premarital with you. You get to go through that process with them. You get to be part of the wedding ceremony many times, even marriage counseling, all the different things. It is a massive privilege when people just invite me in to be a part of those moments in their lives. And yet there's something I have noticed in recent history. And again, I know some of this is anecdotal. This is within ministry, but also even my own social circles and friend groups. I've noticed that there's a lot of couples that just seem to be struggling. 
And then I also have a lot of single friends who seem to be even just struggling in their own singleness. And I kind of made this like half-hearted joke to Nicole recently. I said, Nicole, it feels like all the married people in our lives want to be single and all the single people in our lives want to be married. And nobody's happy with the situation they're in. It doesn't make any sense. And there's actually this growing population right now that Nicole and I know where we have a lot of friends that are like, man, I don't even want to do the marriage thing at all. Like, I want to get all the benefits without any of the risks, so I'm just going to be in a long-term relationship. So we have plenty of friends that are like, no, they're just my partner, they're my significant other, no plans or intentions of getting married at all. There's a whole other layer to this, though. We are at a moment in our culture where we are literally debating and even redefining a lot of these terms. So we are actually talking about what even makes for a legitimate marriage anyways. How do you even define it? What are the healthy boundaries to sexual expression? What does it mean to be a man or a woman? And what truly is the ultimate purpose of a romantic relationship in the first place? So with all of this, we've been talking about this for months as a teaching team, that this is just such a timely topic for us individually, for our culture, and we're calling it Relationship Reset for a reason. I'm willing to bet... Most of us here have some type of device in our pocket. You got some type of phone. Now, you have more power in your pocket than what was required to get the first people on the moon. It's pretty incredible. And yet, even when this phone starts fritzing out, the apps freeze up, it doesn't work, what's, like, the primary thing you just do? Turn it off, turn it on, you reset it. And that, like, fixes it, like, 95% of the time. I always laugh because we have all this crazy, complicated equipment at this church. There's all these boxes and things that I don't even know what they do, but apparently they run the live stream for all you guys to watch and the lights and all the things. And as Satan always does, he always comes after the technology every week. It's always the tech, everybody. It's always the tech. And so every week we got some technology snafu in the church, and we have all these smart, nerdy guys who know how to fix it and play with these things. And, like, 99% of the time they're like, just turn it off and on. And that fixes it. All this complicated technology. Here's what I'm getting at. This is what I believe we need for the relational dynamics in our lives. We need a reset. We need to restore ourselves back to factory settings in some cases and just reboot our relational system in our lives. And here's what I know. There are many of us in this room where this is a major pain point in your life right now. Like the biggest area of frustration and dysfunction in your life right now is related to the relationships in your life. Even those of us in this room where you would say, actually, Brian, things are pretty good for me right now. I'm pretty content with the relationship I'm in or not in. I would still say there are some things God wants to work on in your life too that you haven't totally arrived. And actually, we have some pretty big prayers for this series. I am really praying that we can see some marriages restored in our church through this series that we can see people's lives turned around. I am praying that we can see real sexual healing in people's lives from past experiences and traumas. I am really praying for freedom for some people. I'm praying for minds to be changed. I'm really praying for a reset. We can clap. Let's just commit to it right now. That's a good thing to be praying for. Let's commit to it. So I, I really, I'm asking all of us to go on this journey together of resetting and refreshing the relationships in our lives and experiencing what God really desires for us in this. So typically what I like to do when we start a series is I kind of do a little bit more foundation. I lay the groundwork to get us ready for what's ahead. So that's kind of what today is. I want to take a couple minutes to talk about a beautiful design. Beautiful design. Now to do this, we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. Page 1, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this in Genesis 
1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we, in this very moment, get introduced to the main character of this incredible epic we call human history. And guess whose name is not in this verse? Yours and mine. None of us are the main character of the story. It doesn't say, in the beginning, Brian, or in the beginning, Steve, or Sally. It says, in the beginning, God. That's an important detail right there. He's the primary mover in this story. He is outside of time itself. He has no beginning, no end, and he is the one who initiates the very formation of the universe. And if you haven't read it before, it's just this beautiful outline of God creating and bringing creation into existence. So you see, he creates the heavens and the earth. So we see like day one, night and day. And then the sky gets worked in. And then God hooks up all the vegetarians and he brings in the fruits and the plants and the trees and all that stuff. Sun, moon, stars. Then the animals come in. Nemo and Dory pop in. Timon and Pumbaa. All the stuff just starts coming together through these days. It's a beautiful creation story. And through all of this, you see this common refrain. God says, this is good. God declares it good. He says, this is beautiful, this creation right here. And on day six, God rolls up his sleeves a little bit, and he creates something particularly special. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We can't even begin to measure the impact of that single verse and what it has done to human history and Western culture in particular. God's image. Every person that has ever existed has divine design imprinted on them, handcrafted by God himself. And in some profound, mysterious, beautiful way, we actually express and represent the very nature of God. And it's not only that. Our sexuality originates from supernatural blueprints. Talks about male and female. My three-year-old daughter, Brindley, had a profound revelation moment earlier this year. We're getting ready for bed, and she goes, Dad, Easton's a boy, and I'm a girl. I'm like, that's right, sweetie. She says, yeah, Easton has a penis, and I have a pagina. <laughs> I mean, she ain't wrong. She ain't wrong. And it's this amazing reality that men and women are made with equal dignity and value and yet bring this unique expression to the very nature of God. And what God declares after this, he says, this is very good. He blesses it. He speaks well where he says, be fruitful, multiply, experience everything I want you to experience. And what we need to see here today, everybody, is there is a beautiful design. God's desire for you is to experience all of the pleasure and satisfaction and enjoyment and fulfillment that life has to offer. This is God's heart for you. This is what he originally intended. And yet we zoom in on the human creation moment. And we see an interesting little twist in the story. In Genesis 2.18, it says this. The Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, some people are like, well, did God mess up? Did he make a mistake? It's not that that's what's going on. It's that God's design had not reached its full specifications. 
Every piece had not yet been put into place. But you think of all the things God could have said that's not good. And he says, it's not good to be alone. Now, this is an interesting thing to me. You can live in a city of millions and millions of people and still be alone. You can actually be in a church and still be alone. Some of you guys know this experience. You can be in a marriage and be alone. There's a study done by the Center on American Life that they released recently, and they have now found that Americans have fewer friends than ever before since this has been tracked. They call it in the research a loneliness epidemic in American culture right now. And the reason why even studies like this are done and why this is called an epidemic is because it's not part of our design. It doesn't fit the DNA that God placed inside of us because we were made for intimate interconnected human relationships. This is not about you just having some drinking buddies on the weekend or somebody to hang out with. You were made for connection with other people that is deeply satisfying and life-giving. That's what you were made for. Now, okay, thank you. I appreciate that golf clap. Thank you. Um, God takes it upon himself to complete this design then. He says, this isn't good. I'm going to finish this thing out. And in verse 22, it says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, there are so many layers to this, I couldn't even possibly hit everything. It's like, man, she's being pulled out of the rib, all these things. Here's what you have to catch here. This is a special moment in human creation. No other creature or animal or living thing had this type of creation dynamic to it. And what we see is that Eve came from Adam himself, meaning she is a true complement. She is an integral part, a perfect companion for him. And I've heard somebody once say that, God didn't make Eve out of Adam's head so she could be above him. And God didn't make her out of his feet so she could be below him. She made him right out of his ribs so she could come right alongside as an equal image bearer of God. And ladies, you need to see God made women unique, special, handcrafted designs by him. And also this verse speaks to the very first wedding. You see God bring this girl to this man. It's this incredible moment. Could you imagine what kind of wedding God would throw on? I mean, what kind of centerpieces would God have at, at the wedding he would host? I mean, this would be a pretty incredible experience. I'm just imagining having a conversation with Adam and Eve and them asking, oh, how was your wedding? I'd be like, well, we found a cute farmhouse for like a great deal, and it looked very Pinteresty. And it's like, how was your wedding, Adam and Eve? They're like, oh, I mean, we got married in the Garden of Eden, paradise. I mean, God officiated our wedding. It was, it was pretty nice. It was a pretty nice wedding. This is a special moment in human history. And yet we get the purpose behind this. We get the very reasoning for everything we've just read. In verse 24, it says this. This is why. Okay, that's important. Again, purpose statement. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is the most powerful and intimate human experience that can possibly happen. It is the total integration of two lives. Emotional, physical, spiritual. You are bringing your very identities together. You are uniting your existence to another person. And this is the Bible's argument you have to catch. That human relationships in general and marriage in particular are not just some random result of social evolution or human invention. That God himself personally designed and crafted how our lives are supposed to function with each other. 
Jesus quotes this very verse when he was alive in the earth. And he says they're going to become one flesh. And look at his reasoning. And then after that, Mark 10, 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When you go to a wedding, you are not just watching a bunch of sentimental, hollow cultural traditions. You are watching the supernatural joining of two lives by God himself. That is what you're witnessing in a marriage. And the reason why this is so significant is this is not just two people coming together to play house. These are two people coming together to be a very glimpse into the nature of God, of his love, his devotion, his commitment, and his goodness. Paul himself in the New Testament he quotes that one flesh verse. This gets used throughout the whole Bible, everybody. This is foundational to our entire worldview. Paul quotes it, and he says this in Ephesians 5.32. This is a profound mystery. Words can't even fully contain what we are trying to understand when we even think about the concept of marriage and human relationships. But he says, I'm talking about Christ in the church. So again, when you look at a marriage, it's not just playing house, everybody. It is a picture of Jesus himself and his sacrificial devotion to his people, his church. You're getting a glimpse into the very image of God. And the writer of Genesis ties this all up with a nice little bow. In verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, I know it just got some people's attention back. You're like, naked? He just said naked. Where were we at? I was just sleeping. There's a middle school boy and every grown man. You never quite grow out of it. And this ain't just talking about no shame because they got six-pack abs and no love handles. This single line is trying to capture the fact that Adam and Eve in this moment are experiencing perfect connection to each other, to God. They're experiencing perfect fulfillment, relationship with each other. This is the most fulfilling experience you could possibly imagine. And this is what I'm trying to get at, everybody. This is God's desire. That's his design. This is what he wanted us to experience. This is how he set the whole thing up. Now, this picture that I'm going to show you right here, I took that in my garage this morning real quick before I came in. <laughs> now, I know not everybody's a car junkie, all right, so just bear with me. But this is a Rolls-Royce, okay? One of the most luxurious car brands on planet Earth. That car is totally custom-made. I mean, it is handcrafted and shaped in, if you were to want get that model of car, you want to know how much it would cost you? $28 million that particular model of car would cost. And if you're somebody who was thinking about buying that car, I'd love to talk to you after service. i got some great plans for the church I would love for you to fund. <laughs> okay. Now, here's what I know. Nobody buys a Rolls Royce and then drives to the local landscaping supplier and fills the backseat up with a bunch of gravel to update their little backyard. Nope, nobody does that. Nobody buys a Rolls Royce and says, you know, I'm going to take it out to the lake and see if this thing can swim. Let's just see what happens. You don't do that. Because everybody knows this car has a very specific design. It only functions well under certain conditions. And there are things you can do to that car that can completely undermine what it was designed for and diminish its value totally. You need to understand, God designed us our relationships, and how we're supposed to function as a premium product worth way more than any car. We are designed to function under certain conditions. We thrive under them. 
And there are other things we do that completely undermine the very value that God designed us for. And so some of you guys know the story. God gives some design specifications to Adam and Eve. He says, hey, be fruitful, multiply, live, have an incredible experience, but stay away from that particular tree. That's not part of your design. And as we see the story unfold, the serpent appears, and I know this could be a strange story for some people. I can't go into all the nuances of it. I just want to emphasize the big pieces. He starts to put God's design in doubt. He says, did God really say that? Is that really what he meant? It sounds like he might be withholding something from you. It sounds like there might be more that you can have that God doesn't want you to have. And as we all know, Adam and Eve, they eat this fruit. Sin enters the world. Brokenness enters in. You think, man, how could that all happen from just eating fruit? Well, there's this very reputable news source that did a study, and they actually found that 100% of men would eat fruit given to them by a naked woman. Now, some of you guys are a little confused. You're, you're like, really? Where's that study? Where do I read that? I'm going to fact check Brian on that one. <laughs> okay, that's satire, right? So don't look it up. Although you think about it, you're like, that probably is true, though, actually. That's probably pretty accurate. Now, things get broken. The relationship with God goes sideways. And fundamentally, they disobey. And they start to experience what I would call a distorted design. The relationship with God turn sideways. And there's shame, there's embarrassment, there's hiding. And God even says, now your relationships are going to be a little screwed up. In Genesis 3.16, God says this to Eve. He says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, again, this is a loaded phrase. And we're going to talk about it in the coming weeks. When he says your desire will be for your husband, ladies, he's talking about Wives having a sinful tendency to control and manipulate, thus undermining God's design for them to come alongside, support, bless, and strengthen the relationship. We'll talk about that. But guys, he says, you're going to rule over. Husbands' tendencies are going to be to not step into the design, design of lovingly and sacrificially serving and taking initiative and having responsibility for the relationship, but instead now will be terrible rulers in the relationship, usually expressed through domineering aggression or weak passivity and non-engagement. I know this speaks to none of our relationships in this room at all. There's distortion, and it's on every single level. So many of us in here have experienced sexual distortion in our lives from somebody else or mistakes we've made. Our families don't function exactly the way we would want. Every social relationship you have has some distortion to it. And so the interesting thing about this is it doesn't work the way we want it to. And so we say, man, this, this certainly doesn't seem to be working. And so what we do then is we start creating our own designs for how we think this thing should work. We do this personally, and we do this even collectively as a culture. So here's some of the things we might even say, or the thoughts we have in our minds. Well, geez, marriage? That's no institution from God. I mean, that's a piece of paper at best. So I'm just going to define it the way I want. We see other things like, man, well, as long as there's consent, whatever I do with my body and their body, perfectly acceptable. This line I've heard many times, man, we're just not feeling it anymore. Like, we just don't feel the love in this marriage. We must be falling out of love. This must not have been meant to be. So maybe it needs to come to an end. I've had many conversations with people. Well, pornography, masturbation, this is just a normal way for me to express my sexual appetites. It has no impact on anybody else. 
big conversation in our culture today. My sexuality is for me to determine. Nobody else is going to tell me how to express it. I've had some interesting conversations with people. They're like, man, saving yourself for marriage? How antiquated is that? That doesn't sound fun. Where's the variety? To which I say, if all you know is hookup sex, you don't know nothing about married sex. Because just wait until the day you've been married for a couple years and you got the fingers of your kids coming under the door saying, Mom, Dad, what are you doing in there? And you're like, we're taking a nap like you're supposed to be doing. Or you have to turn it into a game. You're like, okay. Honey, we got five minutes before the kids get back. I think we can make this happen. To which your spouse responds, well, what are we going to do with the other four minutes? <laughs> Don't email me. I love you. I'm just kidding, all right? We're having fun. There are many, many distortions. At the core of every single one we live out is this attitude. I know better than God. I know what will make me happy. I know what will fulfill all of my desires. I know what I really need to experience pleasure in my life. I want to ask this as sincerely as I possibly can. How is that going for you? How's that going for you? Has giving your body to all those people worked out the way you thought it would? Is that porn habit as satisfying as you keep telling yourself it is? What about that little secret you have from your spouse right now? What they don't know won't hurt them, right? hear people say, you know, it's just easier not to depend on somebody else. It's just easier not to make myself vulnerable. You close yourself off. I know some of us in here, you would call it social media scrolling. Anybody else who saw you doing it would be like, why do you keep checking in on your exes and all those people from your past? Strange behavior. You would say, oh, it's just harmless texting to that coworker or person I'm not married to. Anybody else who saw it would be like, man, it certainly looks like you have an emotional attachment. Is that really benefiting the most important relationship in your life? In all of my years of ministry, and I would say even life, I have never seen someone choose their own desires over God's design and benefit from it. I've never seen it happen a single time. Every time I see someone choose their own selfish desires over what God intends for them, they always experience some level of damage and destruction. So as we lean into this whole concept of resetting our relationships, all of us need to ask this honest question of ourselves. Where in my life Am I distorting God's design? Are you experiencing the benefits of God's design or the consequences of your desires right now? Would you describe your intimate relationships as beautiful or are they honestly a little distorted? Here's the truth, everybody. 
every single one of us in here has distortion in our relationships on some level. And even if you would say, well, Brian, things are pretty good for me right now. There's not a lot of drama. I'm telling you, there are design flaws that God wants to work out in your life and in your relationships. What I also know is that there are a lot of us here right now that are in a hard season when it comes to this topic. Like it feels like your marriage is actually on a thread. Your life is sexually sideways right now. You're not spiritually on the same page with the person you're with. You messed up. They messed up. There is a mess. What I'm getting at, everybody, is we all need a reset. We need to step into the design God intended and not fall into our own desires. And I know for many of us, again, you may even feel like you're in a really tough spot. Like it even feels sometimes hopeless for some people. I've talked to a lot of people about this. And I really want to encourage us as we get ready to step into this series together. I want you to have some hope. I want you to have some confidence that things are going to change and that God can work. And there's even a verse that I think speaks so well. It's in Psalm 46, 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. trouble. You have to know today that God wants to be a safe haven for you. He wants you to come to him for help. He wants to provide the strength and the power you are going to need to see a real reset happen in your life. He says he wants to be ever-present. He wants to walk right alongside of you. He is not going to abandon you, and he wants to be there in the middle of the trouble. This is God's heart for you. You have to know he cares deeply about the dynamics of your relationships, and he cares so much about you that he went to a cross on your behalf. He died for you to experience his design. This is his heart for you. If, if Jesus was able to go to a cross, defeat sin and death, and come back to life, I'm telling you, he has the power to help you with whatever is going on in your life right now. He can bring the healing where you need it. He can restore that relationship. He can repair that memory in your life. You can have the freedom and the joy and the fulfillment that God designed you for. And so what I'm asking all of us to do for this series is step out and invite God in to our relationships, our hurts, our wounds, the challenges we're facing, and see if he really just might show up and do some powerful, miraculous resets in our lives. So wherever you're at today, invite God's help. Invite his strength. Invite his power. It's accessible. It's available. And I'm just wondering, no one else, are you ready to go on this journey of seeing God reset your relationships? Is this something you're ready for to receive and experience? Okay. Let's, let's pray and ask God to move in these coming weeks in our lives. Lord, we thank you that there is a beautiful design that you intended for us to flourish and just experience life and joy. That's your heart, Lord. For anybody in this room that struggles to believe that, I pray you just show them your love and your power and grace in Jesus that there'd be no doubt in their minds that your desires towards us are good. And I pray now, Lord, for all of us, we have distortion in our relationships. We experience the brokenness and the sin on so many levels. I know there are marriages that are struggling in our church. 
I know there are people that have severe sexual addictions and dysfunctions in their lives. Lord, I know there are just single people trying to navigate this world and culture. Wherever we are at on that spectrum, Lord, I pray that you truly would soften our hearts to experience a reset from you, a work of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we really would see marriages healed. I pray we would hear stories of redemption and forgiveness. Lord, I pray you would heal people from things that have happened to them, from traumas that they have been through, that they can step forward into your purposes and not be held back by the past. And Lord, we believe that by your power, we'll experience not just a reset, but just a total renewal in our lives. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. We're gonna sing a song, everybody, about just the power of God in taking broken things and restoring and renewing them. So I'm gonna invite you to stand as we sing together and worship. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.